Welcome to this week's Rashi Shear, brought to you from the Bet Midrash of Mizrahi in Melbourne, Australia. So, good evening, and thank you all for coming, and thank you for fixing the furniture. And we're about to start Perak Kafsai and Pasuk Lamad Vav. I'll take the opportunity to say there will not be a Shear next week, Motsi Tishabav, even though the shear is two and a half hours after the fast goes out, so we're probably all refreshed and ready to go, but I won't have time to prepare the shear because I normally do it on the Sunday. So the, we will take a break for one week next week, but we'll be back in two weeks' time. Now, um, Pasuk Lamad Vav continues the dialogue between Esau and Yitzchak, which actually really started in Pasuk Lamad Aleph, when Yitzchak, uh, sorry, Esau arrived, in Pasuk Lamad Bet, Yitzchak said to him, Mi ata, who are you? Vayomer, ani bincha v'choracha Esav. And Esav replied, I am your firstborn. And then in Lamad Gimel, v'yecherad Yitzchak charada gudola, admaot. Yitzchak trembled a lot. And Rashi there said that Yitzchak trembled as the hira'ah uh, gehenam potucha tachtav. He saw gehenam open before him. And he said, to Esau, if you're Esau, me, Efer, who had said Sayyid Vayaveli, who was the other guy who brought me the food? And then he says in that passage, Gam Baruchihia, he will also be blessed. And as I said before, and I'm going, it's very relevant for what we're going to see tonight, that for Rashi, that, that's absolutely the key phrase, Gam Baruchihia. That is Yitzchak acknowledging that the person who got the bracha, whom he now understands is Yaakov, will indeed be blessed. And as Rashi said there, this is on, on uh, Lamad don't say that it's only because Yaakov tricked his father, otherwise he wouldn't have got the brachot. For this reason, Yitzchak um, confirmed the brachot and blessed him knowing who he was. And then the story goes on. In Lamed Dalad, Kashamoa Esav et Divrei Aviv. When Yosef heard, sorry, when Esav heard the words of his father, he cried out and he said, Barcheni Gam Ani Avi, please bless me. And in Lamed Vav, Bayomer, sorry, Lamed Hey, Bayomer Ba Achicha Bamirma, Biakach Birchatrecha. Yitzchak laments that your brother, he says to Esav, your brother came Bamirma, which Rashi explains means Bachachma, not by trickery, but by wisdom. And he says, your brother took your bracha. And now we'll come on to Lamad Vav, and hopefully you'll see why I gave all that uh, um, revision. So Lamad Vav says, Vayomer, he said, that's Esau talking, in the presence of Yitzchak. Yaakov. Thus, he is called his name Yaakov. Vayakveni, as Rashi's going to say, he has tricked me, or he has like ambushed me, that's Rashi's translation, twice at Bakhorati Lakach, he took my birthright, birchati, and now he has taken my blessing. And then he said to Yitzchak, Hello, Atsalta Li Bracha. Have you, as Rashi will say, left beside for me a bracha? So Rashi's got, as you can see, quite a long piece on Hachi Karashimo. But at the risk of um, spoiler, 
I, I want to remind you that Rashi sees Gam Baruch as the crucial line in this whole episode, this whole interlude between Esau and Yitzchak. It all focuses on Gam Baruch which I, um, I say that because this Rashi now is going to tie everything that Esau is saying and everything that Yitzchak is reacting to back to Gam Baruch So let's see what he says. On the words, thus he is called his name. Loshan Tema Hu. This is an expression. Now, Tema we sometimes translate as question, but here it, it's more precise. It's, it's a wonder. It's not that it's, it's like a rhetorical question. Says Rashi, Aesov is wondering out loud. Kamo, Hachi Achi Atta. Now that's uh, so Rashi is comparing the use of Hachi here to Hachi there which is in Kaftet Tet Vav, where Lavan says to Yaakov, after Yaakov has been already working for free for Lavan, he says, are you not my brother? And it's not a good arrangement that you're working for me for free. Let's work for wages. But then, as we all know, Lavan succeeds in tricking Yaakov nevertheless. But what you see there is Lavan is not asking a question. He's not saying, are you my brother? Maybe yes, maybe no. He's saying, is it not the case that you are my brother? It's like a rhetorical question. So Rashi compares it, compares here, where Aesop says, hachi karashamo, to there, where Lavan says, hachi achi ata, to show that it's uh, amusing, uh, amusing, not, not amusing, um, or perhaps you could call it a rhetorical question. Continues Rashi in the words of Aesop. Shema lakach nikrashemo Yaakov. Perhaps for this, his name was called Yaakov. Al shem sofa, for what he's going to do in the end. Shehu atid laakveni, that in the future he's going to trick me. In other words, he was given the name Yaakov at birth, and now Esav says, Ah, this is why he was called Yaakov at birth. For what was going to happen subsequently. In other words, it was a, a, a um, opposite of retrospective. Foreshadowing what he was going to do subsequently. Now, I'll mention straight away that there is a problem here, or rather, Rashi is really relating to a problem, but a subtle one. We all know why Yaakov was called Yaakov. Why was Yaakov called Yaakov? Because he was holding on to Aesop's heel when he was born. We're told that explicitly. So, how can Aesop now be wondering about why he's given the name Yaakov? Everyone knows why he's given the name Yaakov, and the answer is quite simple. If he's going to be named after the heel, what would he be called? Akev. 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 And yet he's not. It's called Yaakov. So it's actually a different word. Obviously, there's a related root, but it's a different word. So really, Aesop is asking about the Yud. It's, instead of being called Akev, he's called Yaakov, which makes it into a verb. And um, we'll see what the verb is in a moment. But well, it, we know it's something to do with tricky. Okay. So it's Rashi that comes from the Medrash Tanchoma. So... Um, Really, Rashi has explained, first of all, two things, or one thing explicitly, one thing implicitly. Hachi Karashimo Yaakov. He's explained that's not a question, it's a rhetorical question, like Lavan said, Hachi Akiata. And furthermore, he's explained that Esau is wondering about the name Yaakov being related to La'akveni, that he has succeeded in tricking me. Then Rashi goes on. Lama Farad Yitzchak. Why does Yitzchak fear? Why did Yitzchak tremble? Now, I'll point out, and I haven't really got a good explanation of this, 
Rashi's already answered that by saying that uh, uh, he saw Gehenna open underneath him, and that was the reason that um, Yitzchak trembled. Now Rashi gives a different answer, and I haven't got a precise reason for why he seems to backtrack. But the answer is this. Omar, he said, that Yitzchak said, Shema avon yeshvi sheberachti katan lifnei gadol. Maybe there's a sin in me that I bless the young one before the old one. Vashiniti seida hayichus. And I changed the order of yichus, pedigree. Um, yichus is uh, an important thing in the world. Who is the child of whom and who is older than whom? And it impacts on inheritance and it impacts on birthright and it impacts on who's the firstborn child who gets the bachor, the, the double portion, etc. Um, you can see, for instance, that of Yitz, sorry, of Moshe and Aaron, who was obviously the more senior? Moshe, in terms of primacy. Obviously, Moshe was the number one and Aaron was number two. But who was older? Aaron was older. And um, in Bamidbar Perit Gimel, Pasuk Aleph, where it lists the descendants of the, uh, the family, clearly Aaron comes first. In other words, there's, there's, even if you say that Moshe is more deserving of to be the firstborn, he wasn't the firstborn. So Yitzchak is wondering, are you allowed to play around with the Yichus or not? And says Rashi, that's why he was trembling. But then, Hitchil Eitzav Metzaik, Esau began to cry out. And he said, He's cheated me twice. Then Yitzchak said to Esau, what did he do to you? What's this twice? Esau said, he took my firstbornness. Amar, to which Yitzchak replied, this is what I was troubled about. And I trembled. Maybe I crossed literally the line of judgment. Maybe I reversed the Seder. Maybe I gave the bracha that belongs to the firstborn to the younger one. Now I hear from your words that you, Esau, are telling me something I didn't know that you actually gave the firstbornness over to, Yitzhak, to, to Yaakov. And therefore, when I blessed Yaakov with the firstborn's bracha, I actually didn't do it wrong. I actually did it right. And then he says, Gam Baruch That explains why Yitzchak now endorses the bracha he gave to Yaakov. Now, I have to say, last week, I was focusing on Yitzchak now realizes Yitzchak's a Esau's a Russia. Can you, uh, thank you. Thank you for muting yourself. Yitzchak realizes Esau's a Russia. Yitzchak sees miracles happen when, when Yaakov produces the food. It tastes of all different tastes. Yaakov speaks nicely to Yitzchak. Esau doesn't. That's all true. But now Rashi gives the Makabal Patish. This is why Yitzchak says, because now he realizes he gave it to the right one all along because of the information that. Esau has just revealed that Yaakov took the birthright. Esau gave the birthright to Yaakov. So this Rashi uses what we've just seen in Pasuk Lamad Vav to tie everything together, including what we saw in Pasuk Lamad Gimel. 
which raises an obvious question. What's the obvious question? Why is Rashi saying it here? Yeah. Uh, why is Rashi saying it here? Well, Rashi's saying it here because he explained it, the relevance of a Yaakovini Zepatamaya. He didn't do on those words. Why is it? What do you mean? Why isn't he saying uh, why isn't he saying the strush on those words? Why is he saying it on? Ah, oh, he's saying it on Hockey Crush The next Rashi is on Bayakveni, but that, that's simply a, um, a linguistic one. What does the word Bayakveni mean? Okay, so I'll, 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 I'll say it's a good point because we are Medayak, we are precise about Rashi's opening words. But the question I was really referring to is everything's out of order because Yitzchak said, Gambaruchihiyeh, Imposak Lamad Gimel, but he only hears this revelation about Bayakveni Zepa Amayim, Imposak Lamad Vav. So it says Rashi here. Rashi, uh, the question is very clear. Rashi said that Yitzchak said, Gam Baruch Yehiyah, when he heard, yeah, sorry, I have to keep thinking, Esau say, Yakveni. But actually he said, Gam Baruch Yehiyah, three psukim before, Esau said, Yakveni. So it's a problem. So one answer is to say, Ein Mugdam Umuchah Torah. There is no chronological order in the Torah. You could say that Pasuk Lamad Gimel happened after Pasuk Lamad Vav. It's a little bit of a stretch because you have to make everything else sort of change the order and you'd have to like re-establish a chronology of everything that's said. But we do say a Mugdam al-Mukhabatora. Rashi certainly says that. So it's legitimate. Um, another thing to do is to re-read um, uh, Pasuk Lamad Dalad. Now let's look at Pasuk Lamad Dalad. Kashamoa Esav et Divrei Aviv um, you could read that as the continuation of Lamad Gimel. Lamad Gimel said, ends with the word of Yitzchak, Gamba And then Lamad Dalla starts, Kushamoa, Esavet Divre Aviv. Esav was hearing the words of. Yitzchak, his father, at the same time, in other words, sorry, what I'm trying to say is, and again, this is a bit of a stretch, but we've got this problem, so we have to, we have to find a solution, that Esau said, um, roughly, Esau said, basically at the same time as Yitzchak said, and the Kishimoa in the beginning of Lamadala is as Esau was hearing one, he said the other. So we can say they were more or less simultaneous. Again, it's it, it's a bit difficult, but but we're forced to address this. Okay, the continuation of the Rashi on the word Vayakveni. So, as I said, this is just to tell you what the word means, because it's not a common word. Katargumo, like the Targum says, Uchamani. And what does Uchamani mean? Arevani. He has ambushed me. How do I know that? Because in Devarim Perik Yudtet Pasuk Yud Aleph, we had the word Va'arev, which means he ambushed. Um, talking about when somebody ambushes somebody else, so what the punishment is. And the Targum Unculus there is Uchaman. So the Unculus in Devarim is Uchaman, which translates from the word in Hebrew Va'arav. In our Pasuk, we have the same Targum, we have the same Aramaic translation for the word Va'yakveni. So if they're both, if the word Vayakveni and Vareb are translated into Aramaic in the same word, they must mean the same thing in Hebrew. So Vayakveni is the same as Eravani, he has ambushed me, or he has tricked me, or he has laid in wait for me. Then Rashi says, Vayesh matargimen v'chokmani. 
um, he says you do find an alternative translation in Targum, which by the way, I think is in most books. If you look in your Targum, um, does it say Hachmani? Yeah. So the Rashi says there is an alternative rendering of the Targum, which happens to be what we have in our books. So the Hachmani obviously means he has been clever to me, which Rashi then translates back from the art from the alternative Targum back into Hebrew, nit hakem li. He was clever for me. Not he's been, and the li means an indirect object, not a direct object. You don't, it, it, but once you translate it as it was, sorry, if you translate it as he ambushed, then he ambushed me, then I'm the object. If you translate it as he was clever, then you can't say he was clever me, doesn't make any sense. So that's why Rashi, if you're saying, if we're going to go with the Targum of the Hakmani, which means in Hebrew, nit hachem, he was clever, li to me, or regarding me, or for my sake, or in, in his opposition to me. But right, that's why Rashi has to add in the li, because you can no longer just say, um, oti, me as the object. And one more, Rashi, on one more word, um, Esau says, hello, atsalta li bracha. Have you, or what does atsalta mean? So Rashi tells us, Lashon hafrasha. It's an expression of separation. Kamo vayatzel, which is from the Midbar, um, Yud Aleph Kaf A. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. So at Salta, again, this is a simple Rashi. I'm probably making more heavy words on it than I need to. It's, it's what I think is a simple Rashi, telling you what the word means, because it's not a common word. We'll see it does occur in a couple of other places, but even then it's somewhat obscure. So Asov says, and Rashi explains this, what he means, at Salta li bracha, have you left for me a bracha? And Rashi refers to the use of bayatzel, same root in Bermid, bayud al Hey, What is that talking about? That is when Moshe, cries out to HaGadosh Baruch Hu for help, and Hashem sends him 70 elders to share the burden with him. And Hashem says, oh, when you appoint these 70 elders, the Pasuk there in the Midbar Yudal of Kafei, which you won't have in front of you, says, V'yatzel min haruach asher alav, something from the spirit which is on him, V'yatein al shivim ish hazakeinim, and he will put it on the 70 elders. So Hashem will separate the spirit which is currently on Moshe and put it onto the elders. The clever thing is, as Rashi says there, Moshe is like a candle. He doesn't lose out when he ignites other things. But Edsel is the same idea as separation. What's a little bit harder is when we have the same word in Shemot Kafdalad Pasuk Yud Aleph. Now this is the end of the story of Matan Torah. The story of Matan Torah is mainly in Perak Kaf, of Shemot, but at the end of Mishpatim, we have a sort of uh, continuation of the story. Rashi says it actually happened first in Pasuk Perak Kafdalat. And there it says the elders of the Bnei Israel went up Har Sinai, or at least part of Har Sinai, and they ate, or it says here, sorry, Ve'el Atsile Bnei Israel, to the Atsile of Bnei Israel, Lo Shalach Yado, Hashem did not send his hand. In other words, they did something wrong and they didn't get punished for it then, they got punished later. What do they do? They saw God, and they, they ate and they drank. Very, very obscure passage. But all we need to know is what is meant by the atzile. Says Rashi there, atzile is loshen gedolim. It's an expression of 
greatness, great people. So when it says that at Sile B'nai Yisrael lo Hashem did not punish the senior people of B'nai Yisrael. So what, if it means senior people, how can it mean for us separation? So it's a little bit hard. You have to play with etymology a little bit and say, why are they senior people? Because they're separated from everyone else. So you can understand that the same root means separation as it does here or leave aside, which is what Aesop's asking. Um, and in the case of the Atsile B'nai Israel, it means those who are set aside for greatness. Okay, that finishes Lamad Vav. And we go on to Lamad Zion. So, Esau again has said, is there a bracha for me? And Yitzchak replies, mm, a bit of a problem, as we will see. Vayan Yitzchak, Yitzchak answered, Vayomer, and he said Esau, Hein gevir samtiv lach. I have appointed him as the gevir, the senior person, the boss, lach, to you, ve'et kol echav, and all his brothers. In other words, he's the boss over you and all other brothers that there might be one day, as happens there weren't. Natati lola avadim. I have given to you, to him as slaves, v'dagam v'tirosh, and corn and wine, samachtiv, I have supported him with, in other words, I've blessed him so he's got enough grain and enough wine. Olacha, um, Rashi's going to say that means to you, doesn't mean go, it means to you. Eifa, where is ma'eser b'ni? What can I do, my son? So Rashi's going to explain that eifa because it's a little bit awkward how we fitted him. But basically, Yitzchak says, there's a problem. What's the problem? Hein gavir samtiv lach. I've appointed him as the gavir, the senior person, the boss, over you. Now, this is the response of Yitzchak. When Esau says, please, can you fix it? This is Esau's response. Now, does that make sense? On the one hand, sort of, because it sounds like, look, I've given him a nice bracha, and it's a big bracha, and um, there's not much of I can do now. But Rashi straight away says, it's a bit funny. Let's see what Rashi says. Bracha zu he, v'hu this bracha, when you look at the bracha that were given to Yaakov, this is number seven. I won't go back and count them, but believe me, it's true. And he makes it the first. So Yitzchak identifies this bracha as his response to Esau saying, here's the problem. Why doesn't Yitzchak say, I've given him Tal HaShemayim, which was the first bracha, and I've given him more and more and more stuff? The answer must be that this answer is not just a random bracha, but is the particular problem. So Rashi sees these words of Yitzchak as explaining why Yitzchak is stuck and why Yitzchak can't help Esau at this point. So how does that happen? How does he explain that? Let's go on. So, but, Rashi having said that this is the seventh bracha, but Yitzchak makes it the first one. Amarlo, Yitzchak said to Esau, Mato elet what benefit will there be to you if I give you a bracha? If you acquire possessions, they belong to him, to Yaakov. 
Shaharei Gavir Samtivlach, because I have made him the Gavir, the boss over you. Uma Shakana Ebed Kanarabo. And we have a halachic principle that what a slave acquires, the master actually acquires. If a slave gets property, the property belongs to the master. So since he is your master, anything that I bless you with will actually go to him. So Rashi's explained why this is the problem that Yitzhak highlights. Why Yitzhak dwells on this bracha, which Rashi said logically he shouldn't, and he should have chosen one of the previous six, um, because this bracha is what makes it impossible for Yitzhak now to give Esau any bracha. Now, it's interesting. I deliberately kept translating Gavir as boss or senior person, and I deliberately did not translate it as owner, because it doesn't mean owner. So there's a little bit of a sort of fudge here that Rashi says, he is your Gavir. And therefore, if you acquire things, they'll belong to him. And Masha Kana Ever Kana Rabon, the general rule is what a slave acquires goes to his master, is belonged to his master. But Rashi is being very, very clever that he's not saying that necessarily Aesop is a slave. And the, lot, the reason I'm stressing that is because if he's a slave, he couldn't buy anything in the first place because he would have no money of his own. So the scenario that Rashi says that Yitzhak is saying to Aesop is if you, Aesop, buy something, then Yaakov will get it. But if Aesop is truly a slave, then he can't even buy something in the first place. He's somewhere in between. He's not a slave because he can buy, but what he buys goes to his master. And therefore, the right word to describe Yaakov's relationship is not owner, but gavir, but, uh, which I would translate as boss, for want of a better word. And that explains how Rashi could be saying that you could even buy something because you would have your own money, um, but what you buy will then go to, a, go to Yitzchak. So to say, sorry to Yaakov, to say that Yaakov is the Gavir is not identical to saying that Esau will be the Ebed. And I read the last five words of Rashi as not referring specifically to the Esau situation, but to the general situation of if there were an Ebed. Not that Esau technically is an Ebed, but if they were an if he were an Ebed situation, then the anything he buys would, is actually the property of the master. And you in a similar but not identical situation in that particular respect, will be the same. Um, the solution, I'll just say this, Yitzhak is going to find a solution. And he's got to find a solution that gives Esau something that Yaakov will never have need of. So given the problem that if Esau gets things, they go to Yaakov, if we can find something that Esau can be given, that Yaakov will say, no, 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 I don't even want that, then we can solve the problem, at least partially. Bear that in mind, when we see what Yitzhak actually did give to Esau. Okay, the next thing is Esau, uh, we, these words, Ulacha, uh, uh, sorry, I'm looking at the passage, I should be looking at the passage, last few words of the passage, Ulacha, Efo, Ma, Eeseh, the knee. Rashi says, Ulacha, Efo, Ma, Eeseh, Aye, Efo, Avakesh, Efo, um, we actually said a couple of weeks ago, is a word that is very hard to translate and very hard to fit in. And sometimes we sort of miss it out entirely. And we found an example 
uh, of Yaakov talking to his sons, where the word apho is there, and Rashi says it's mutar, it's it's superfluous. Here, Rashi says, I think Rashi sort of says aye and apho mean the same thing, and aye is sort of a translation of apho. I say sort of because not entirely happy with that, but aye is basically the translation of apho. It means where is, where is avakesh? Where should I seek mala asot lacha? What to do for you? So my hands are tied. Where can I go? I have nowhere to go. But notice Rashi, apart from trying to fit in AFO, has done something significant. I, I foreshadowed this a moment ago. Ulacha might look like the verb to go, but Rashi's saying it isn't. He chants straight, it replaces ulacha by lacha and, and, and puts it at the end of what can I, where can I go to request for you? So going back to the pasuk, ulacha AFO ma'eserveni means ulacha. To you, where, what can I do for you? Moving on to Lamad Chet. Vayoma Esav El Aviv. Havracha Achat Hi Lacha Avi. What does the hey at the beginning of the word bracha mean? The. Okay, might mean the. What else can a hey at the beginning of a word mean? Question. It makes it a question. And that's what happens here. Ha bracha, is there one bracha to you, my father? Barcheni gam ani avi. Bless me, also me, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Rashi says, Habracha achat, hey zu meshameshet loshon tamia. This hey serves as an expression of. Now, Tamiya, it's interesting, he doesn't quite use the word She'ela, and one of the Mephoshim I saw picks him up on this and says, why doesn't he use the word She'ela? But Tamiya is pretty much the same thing. It's a expression of a question. Um, in the Gemara, if, uh, if the Gemara is using a um, expression and it's an interrogative, Rashi will always say um, Tamiya, it, which means it's a question. So now we understand it's a question. Do, is there a bracha for me? Now, um, I set this up because I asked you, what does hey mean? We had one suggestion that it means the, and straight away we had another suggestion that means it's an interrogative, it's a question. So why does Rashi have to tell us that? We know our basic grammar. And besides, I haven't checked, but I'm pretty sure that earlier in the Chumash, we've had hey as a question. Why does Rashi need to tell us this now? Okay, because hey as a question, what vow does it take? Now I'm just showing off my little knowledge of Diktuk and I'm asking if you've got any knowledge of Diktuk. A hey as a question takes a chataf patach. A chataf, not a patach, but a chataf patach. That's a patach with a shiva in it as well. And what do we have here in this case? Habracha? Just a patach. But subclause of the rule of Diktuk. If the hey interrogative precedes a letter with a shiva, then the hey does not take a chatach patach, which is a combination of a shiva and a patach, it just takes a patach. So we are following the rules because the word bracha under the bet is a shiva. So because it's a shiva under the bet, the hey doesn't have a chatach patach, it has a patach. But because you might not have known that detail, you might have wondered why we have a hay with a patach, not a chato patach. So Rashi has to tell you it's a hay interrogative. Now look how clever Rashi is because he gives 
three other examples. Kamo, like Haba Machanim, Hashmenahi, those both come from the same place from Pasha Shalachacha, where Moshe sends the spies and says, Go and find out. Are the cities fortified or do they live in camps? Haba Machanim, Hashmenahi, is it fat? Is it fertile? And then there's another pasuk which comes from David Amelach in Shmuel Bet, Hakamot Naval. Will it be like a fool that Avner dies? This is when David Amelach gets very uh, close to Avner when he's being killed, even though Avner was not a great friend of David Amelach. But anyway, what's interesting about all those three examples that Rashi quotes? They all have a patach. They all have a patach. Follow by so these aren't just random examples of when hey means an interrogative. These are perfect examples for the whole point that Rashi is making. That when you have a word beginning with a shva and you want to put a hey interrogative before that, it takes a patach, not a chata patach, just like our case. So it would appear there is strong support to say Rashi is not just translating the letter, but he's pointing out the, the, the grammatical exception that it represents. Okay, Lamad Tet. Vayan Yitzchak Aviv. Vayitzchak, his father replied, Vayome Elav, and he said to him, Hine Mishmane Haaretz Yihyeh Moshevecha. So the Mishmane, the flat, fat places of the land, i.e. fertile places of the land, will be your dwelling place. Umital Hashemayim Me'al and from the Jew of heaven from above. So Rashi says, Mishamane Haaretz, Zu Italia Shel Yavan. This is the Italian part of the Greek empire. Now, there's lots to say, lots to say. Um, first of all, Yaakov, when he got the bracha, was also promised Mishmane Haaretz. But there, Rashi didn't say it refers to some place. That uh, when Esau gets the Mishmane Haaretz, he gets Italy. When you get the Mishmane Haaretz, you get somewhere else. Didn't say that. For, Esau, for Rashi, sorry, for Yaakov, it was just a general bracha about produce. You're going to get good stuff. But there's a word here in our Pasuk which shows clearly that it's not about stuff, it's about position, it's about location. What's the word? Moshevecha your dwelling place. So when it says your dwelling place will be Mishmane Haaretz, it can't mean that your dwelling place will be lots of produce. Your dwelling place must be a place. So Rashi identifies the place. It would also be that if it was referring to produce, with the previous Rashi we had about the produce has got a Yaakov anyway, so he couldn't be blessed by that. Good anyway. point, good point. I'm, I'm coming actually to a point which that's going in the right direction. Okay, next thing to say is to talk about the word Hine. Um, there's a couple of things to say about Hine based on what different people have said. So one is that there's a difference between the bracha to Yaakov and the bracha to Esau. Don't ask the fact that Yaakov thought, Yitzchak thought he was giving the first bracha to Yaakov. He, he gave it to Yaakov and it was the one he designed for the Bechor. And from Rashi's comments on the bracha that Yitzchak gave to Yaakov, there was a lot there that was Tului, that was dependent on Yaakov's behavior and his descendants' behavior. If you deserve it, you'll get things. If you don't deserve it, you won't get things. In other words, there's hashkacha pratis in Yaakov's inheritance. And in Esau's inheritance, there isn't. Esau, because he doesn't live on the level of accepting Hashem's judgment, 
he gets things automatically. We see this in other places as well. And you can say that the hine is introducing the fact that it's always going to be there. It's unquestioned. Hine mishmane ha'aret moshevecha. Behold, as in, this is the reality, no question. One approach. But you can also take a completely different approach to Hine. That Hine introduces something brand new. Um, Yaakov gets married and he spends the night with the wife that he married. And in the morning, Hine, he Leah. And Rashi there says, now she's Leah, was she not Leah the night before? And then Rashi answers it with the story of Leah gave the signs to Rachel that we all know. So Yaakov didn't realize she was Leah until the morning, hence Hinehi Leah. So according to this, so put aside the one explanation I gave you just a moment ago, Hinei means something new. Now, how can that relate to Italia Yavan, which Rashi says is Mishmane Haaretz, which is introduced by Hinei? Gemara in Sanhedrin. Sorry, Gemara in Shabbat, Nunvav Ahmed Aleph, says something very interesting. At the day, the day that Shlomo married the daughter of Paro, which is one of the wives that Shlomo took, and it was probably not a good idea. It was a, it was not a good idea. What happened? Yored Gavria. Gavriel, the Malach, descended from Shemayim, the Na'atz Kanabayam, and he stuck a pole in the sea, the Alu Bo Siraton, and uh, land formed around that pole, the Alav Nivner Krach Gadol, and on it was built the mighty city, Shel Romi. That's actually in brackets, not in every Girsa. And Rashi says, Krach Gadol Shel Romi, Shahum Yetzal Yisrael. That's going to afflict Israel. Vahu Italia shall Yavan. Rashi there in the Gemara and Shabbos is the same as Rashi here. Italia shall Yavan. So we don't get into the whole story about Shlomo HaMelech and this pole in the ground, but it's not totally unrelated to the period leading up to Tishra. So maybe I will mention just a little bit. The Gemara is saying that the enemy of the Jews, the ones that came who ultimately destroyed the temple and did such terrible things to the Jewish people, they started with Hashem's help from the time that Shlomo HaMelech went a little bit, a little bit the wrong way. So the growth of Rome was a response, a consequence of what Shlomo did. So that leads to two things, which helps us with this Rashi. Number one, Hine. Hine introduces something new. At the time of the bracha, based on the story from the Gemara Shabbos, Rome didn't exist because Rome only started when Shlomo HaMelech married Bapara, which was many, many years after this incident when Yitzchak's giving a bracha to Esau. So Hinei refers to something new. Furthermore, we've already learned that since I said that, and Rashi said that the bracha to Yaakov is conditional, that when Yaakov starts to go the wrong way, when the Jews don't keep their part of the deal with Hashem, that's the time that the Jew's connection to the bracha falters, and that's the time that Esau gets his hands on the bracha. So if we say that Esau is going to get Italy, i.e. Rome, which by the way, I'll add one number of things, we do identify Edom equals Esau with Rome. 
I, I don't think there's any historical or archaeological evidence for this, but Chazal say that Edom is the antecedent, Edom, which is definitely the descendant of Esau, perhaps the same as Esau, is the antecedent of Rome. And we talk about um, the, the, the Roman conquest and the Roman exile being that of Edom, being that of Esau. So, so in that sense, it, it fits that Esau is getting this land, which, um, according to what I'm saying, based on this Midrash in, in the Gemara, doesn't exist yet. And he's only going to get it when Yaakov's descendants, in this case Shlomo, acts in a way that allows Esau to get it. So, Hine, you're going to get it in the future. It's not here now, but you're going to get it in the future. But the last thing I want to say is um, referring back to something I said a little while ago. Rashi identified the problem based on Hain Gavira Santiv. I've appointed him as your boss, which means that anything that Esau gets, Yaakov will get. So with that being the case, how can then Yitzchak, two pesukim later, give Esau anything? How is the problem solved? The problem we had two pesukim ago was, sorry, mate, three pesukim ago, sorry, mate, there's nothing I can give you because anything I can give you will go to your gavir, i.e. to Yaakov. And now in Lamatet, he says, oh, I've got something to give you. It's called Italy, the Italian part of the Greek empire. How can that be a resolution? Because as I said, the solution will be if you give to Esau something that Yaakov has absolutely no need of and will not want. Why does Yaakov have absolutely no need of Italy? Yes. Because he, we have Eretz Israel. We don't need any other place. So when Esau is given land outside Eretz Israel, that will be of no interest to Yaakov, by definition, because Yaakov only needs Eretz Israel. He doesn't have any other country. He certainly doesn't need Rome. Leave that to the Edomites, leave that to Esau. So it's a very, very nice idea, I think that this explains how we can reconcile Lamatet with Lam, sorry, Lamad Vav with Lamatet. In Lamad Vav, Rashi said that Yitzhak said, there's nothing I can give you. And yet in Lamatet, he gives him something because land outside of Israel will be of no desire to Yaakov at all because Yaakov lives in Eretz Israel. And we certainly don't want Rome. Leave Rome to the Romans. I think it's a very, very powerful idea. Um, right. And that takes us over to Pasuk Mem. Continues the bracha. Ba'al charabacha tichyeh. I'll jump straight into Rashi here. On the words for al charabacha, kamo b'charabacha. Yesh al bimkom bet. Says Rashi, the word al um, often appears in place of a bet. And then uh, he gives a, a couple of examples. Kamo amadatem al harbachem, same, almost the same issue. You stand literally on your swords, which means b'charbachem, with your swords. And Hashem brought out the Bnei Yisrael and Mitzrayim al tzavotam, literally on top of their hosts, hosts as in groups of people, hosts of armies, b'tzavotam, it means with their hosts, in their host formation. So, here, the starting point is literally it says that you will live on your sword. That doesn't help. And it's not a very good place to put your sword if you're fighting a battle. So it doesn't mean on your sword. It means by your sword or with your sword, because al can mean, can serve the purpose of bet. And then it says, 
your brother you will serve. But it will be when you, I'll leave Rashi to translate that in a moment. You will remove the yoke from on your neck. So here's the good news for Asaph that his status as um, underling to his younger brother will not necessarily be forever. There will come a time that you can throw off the yoke. Now, Rashi says on the word tarid, what does tarid mean, by the way? Bothersome. Bothersome? Like take off. Take off? Go down. Well, I would have said go down. Okay. Um, I'm going to show you a Rashi which says something else, but that's not what he says here. He says here what you say, which means trouble. Rashi says, Torid Tsar. Thank you. It, expression of trouble. Kamo, Pasuk from Tehillim Nunhei, Pasuk Gimel, Arid Besichain. I am troubled in my siach, conversation. If you look there in the Pasuk, it clearly does mean trouble. Kulamar, that is to say, when the Jews transgress the Torah, the Jews being the descendants of Yaakov, and then you have a piton per, literally an opening of the mouth, an opportunity to be troubled on the blessings that he took, then you will remove his yoke, etc. So two big questions, at least for me, is number one, why does he go to this somewhat um, obscure meaning of Torid? Number two, having said Torid means troubled, when you are troubled, then he changes it and says, when Yisrael transgressed the Torah, then you will have an opportunity to be troubled on the bracha that he took. So why does the troubling have to come in the future? The answer to the second one, is it doesn't make sense for Yaakov, sorry, for Yitzhak to say, when you are going to be troubled about the bracha at some future time, then the following will happen. Why does that not make sense? Because he's troubled now. He's clearly very, very troubled. He's clearly very angry. So having said that um, tarid, kasher tarid means when you will be troubled, he's got to explain that it can't mean the same trouble you're having now. Because it can't mean when you're cross about the bracha, because you're cross about the bracha right now. So it can't be something, that, that's not going to be something in the future. But what will be in the future? When you have a pit compare to have a legitimate grievance. Why will it be a legitimate grievance? Because as we've said, and I've said many times tonight, but we said we saw earlier in previous uh, times we looked at this, that Yitzchak said to Yaakov, when, when he blessed Yaakov, your bracha will be conditional. You only deserve it because, well, the, re the, the example I gave was that we can say that Yaakov deserved the bracha, that he wasn't tricking, he was doing what was right, because his character was the one deserving of the bracha. Esau is a murderer and a rapist and a thief. He doesn't deserve the bracha. Yaakov is Ishtam Yosheb Halot, He does deserve the bracha. But that only applies when he is an Ishtam Yosheb Halot. If his descendants transgress the Torah, then that claim to the bracha for Yaakov and his descendants falls away. And that's when Esau will have an opportunity to get a bit back. So that's um, yeah, Rashi saying, when you have 
when you're not you're not mitzvah air right now, but you will be mitzvah air in the sense of it compel hits the air, and therefore we're redefining tsar. By the way, now tsar doesn't just mean you're cross; it means you have a legitimate claim, and in the future that will happen when you have a legitimate claim. Okay, you have Chomish Bereshit here. If you look at Perak Aleph Pasuk Kaf Vav. So Hashem blesses Adam and Kava and says, You will rule over, the, sorry, I've given away. You will rodu over the fish of the sea. Says Rashi, When it says, There's an expression of rulership, and also an expression of descent. And how can you have both at the same time? Zachar, if you merit it, roda the chayot ubehemot. You will rule over the beasts and the animals. Lo zachar, if you don't benefit, sorry, if you don't merit, na'aseh yarud, we will make a descent lifnehem before you. And the animals will rule over you. So Rashi gives two options for the root, yud reish dalad, to rule or to um, descend. And he doesn't use either of them here in our Pasuk. Why not? Because neither of them makes sense. Because you can't read the Pasuk as meaning ruling or meaning descending. Let's have a look. Go back to Pasuk Mem. You'll live by your sword, but you'll serve your brother. But it will be when you rule. Well, how will you be ruling? You're serving your brother. That doesn't make sense. Alternative, it will be when you tarid, when you decline, and then you'll throw off the yoke, that doesn't make sense either. So neither of those two, even though Rashi says in Perikalov, that's what the word means, here in Perikalov Zion, it doesn't mean either of those. So Rashi finds the meaning by referring to the Pasuk and Tehillim, and it means to be Mitzvah Er, it means to be troubled. Okay, I think we can go a little bit further. Pasuk Mem Aleph. Uh, yeah, I will do this one. Thy yistom Esav et Yaakov. Esav hated Yaakov. Al habracha asher balchu aviv. Because of the bracha which his brother had, his father had blessed him. Vayoma Esav bilibo. And Esav said in his heart, remember the word bilibo for next week. Yikravu yemei evil avi. May the days of mourning for my father draw near. The aharag of aharga et Yaakov achi, and I will kill my brother Yaakov. Says Rashi, um, on the words yikravu yemei evil avi, kumishma'o, it means what it says. Shalo atzaer et abba, I will not trouble my father. In other words, I won't kill my brother while he's still alive. Once we're mourning, i.e. once my father has died and we're sitting Shiva, then I will kill Yaakov. But I won't do it when my father's alive because I've got respect for my father. I don't want to trouble my father. How nice. And then he says, Umidrash Agada Lakama Panim. There is a Midrashe, sorry, Midrashe Agada. There are plural Midrashim in many different ways. So um, what are those Midrashim? For instance, one Midrash is that Aesop planned to kill Yitzhak himself, and then he planned to kill Yaakov after that. 
another midrash, a little bit more complicated, very rather crafty. Esau went to Yishmael, his uncle, and he said to Yishmael, your half-brother Yitzchak has got all the blessings from Abraham. Why don't you uh, sort that out? Hoping that Yishmael will kill Yitzchak. Then Esau will be, last week, Sedra, the Goel Adam. Esau will be the relative of the victim who then has the right to, to pursue and kill the murderer. So Esau says to Yishmael, you go and deal with Yitzchak, planning all along that Yitzhak will be killed by Yishmael, and then Esau will kill Yishmael, and Esau will get everything. That's what the Midrashans say. So Rashi says here, it's one of those occasions where Rashi refers you to a Midrash, but doesn't bring the Midrash. What does that mean? We have an understanding that when Rashi does that, what he means is the Midrash has a certain benefit, but it's very far removed from the Peshat. So I'm not going to quote it, because it doesn't really count as fulfilling my mission to bring Peshut Shamikra, but I am going to allude to it to tell you that there's a problem which the simple Peshat doesn't quite solve. And what is the problem which the simple Peshat doesn't quite solve? This Yikruvu Yemei Evil Avi. What does he mean? What's, what time is he referring to? What event is he referring to? When Yitzchak will die. That's it. So why doesn't he say when Yitzchak dies? What's this? He will, when the days of mourning for my father come near. So Rashi says, It means what it says. It means when Yitzchak will die. But he also says, There's Midrashim, which deal with this odd turn of phrase. And by the way, the Midrashim that I quoted all imply that, Yitzhak, that Esau wanted Yitzchak dead. And that sort of fits with the word Yikravu, which actually is an exhortation. May the days of my father's mourning come near. May he die soon. So we have here somewhere just poised in the middle between saying we need a Midrash to explain this odd turn of phrase, but we can manage without. And that's Rashi saying the phrase can be understood, Kamash Ma'o, simply, literally, Shalo er etaba. I won't trouble our father. But Rashi also points out there are midrashim. If you're bothered by this yikravu, you may able, it's the funny sort of phrase, go and look at the midrashim. I'm not going to quote them. They're too far removed from Peshat, but I'm going to point them out. I'm going to point you in their direction. What's the name I've known as the, um, like, uh, of M? Yes, like yes. It's just like sort of weird, isn't it? Like, I think that he would want the death of his father. Yes, that's true. And maybe that's another reason why the midrashim are far from Peshat. It is true. Rashi, certainly says in a few different places that Aesop, well, yeah, he says that Aesop portrayed himself as a great Kovet Av, but really deep down, it was all a trick. Rashi did say that right at the beginning when we first were introduced to Aesop, and Aesop asked these clever from sounding questions. How do you take a Misa from salt and from straw? And Rashi says it was a trick. So perhaps it, it's not, it, it sort of perhaps answers your question that on the surface, Esau doesn't want to trouble Yitzchak, and that's Rashi brings as the Pshat, but Rashi tells you, don't completely ignore these Midrashim, which paint a very different picture. Maybe uh, one's the surface and one's the underneath. Okay. Yes? Question, the word Vaisham at the start of the parasha, yes. doesn't comment on it. Is that a common word? Any hatred or why is not Vaisham? Um, 
Good question. Sorry, I, I'm going to I'm stuck for an answer. You're right. Um, we've seen many, many times Rashi explains uncommon words, and this is an uncommon word. Obviously, Rashi doesn't think it's uncommon enough to require an explanation. But Yistam, he hates it. Okay, thank you. We will meet again in two weeks' time. Thank you. Thank you.